Well, I just keep reflecting on uh, uh, that song we sang before our readings, uh, King of Kings, and how, uh, uh, what a wonderful song that is, and how it walks through uh, kind of those four uh, chunks of our faith, and uh, from the very beginning of Jesus being born in the flesh, as we celebrate at Christmas, all the way up unto uh, uh, the resurrection, and uh, the beginning of the church, the sending of the Holy Spirit, and Actually, how well that ties into uh, this message here today as uh, we think a little bit about grief. And as we've been drawing closer to Christmas, uh, we have been kind of doing this consideration of some of the things that creep in and try to steal Christmas, try to steal especially our joy this season. The first week we talked about materialism and how we can focus on stuff and gifts and all that type of thing and miss the, the, the meaning of Christmas. Then the second week, we talked a bit about busyness and how when we pack our schedules full of activities, especially this time of year, we can lose sight of the rest that Jesus offers and uh, the importance of worship, especially at this time of year. And last week, then Pastor Chad talked a bit about how we might handle those times of conflict that we all deal with, uh, but at uh, Christmas time, how conflict can arise when we gather with family members especially. But now today we get to kind of a hard one, how grief can steal Christmas. Now maybe your first thought when I mentioned we're talking about grief is to think, really? Grief? Why do I want to talk about that at Christmas time? Well, because we need to. For many, Christmas is indeed a joyous and a, a festive time of year. It's a, it's a good time to gather with family and friends and celebrate Jesus' birth. But we have to acknowledge that for many others, and maybe this is you today, Christmas can be tough. And it's especially tough when it comes to dealing with grief at this time. And I'm not just talking about either uh, the grief of losing a loved one, though that is a big part of this concept of grief. But grief can come in in many forms. Grief really just means a a sense of deep sorrow over something or someone. And so it could be a broken relationship for you, one that you're especially aware of at Christmas. Maybe it's a painful memory from the past that always sticks in your mind or Or maybe you've dealt with a divorce or some kind of distancing with somebody you love. And maybe it is the loss of a loved one that continues to come to mind. Maybe it's grief on behalf of somebody else who grieves themselves and you feel for them too. And so whether or not you yourself are the one who's dealing with grief, this message is for you. Because We'll learn together how to deal with that grief at Christmas and also how to speak to others and love and understand them as they deal with grief themselves. And so today we take a look then at John 11, this story of a bit of grief as Jesus experiences it himself as well. And here's how this story begins. It says, now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany in the village of Mary and her sister Martha. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. So Lazarus is deathly ill. They send word to Jesus, but 
of all things, it seems like Jesus waits. Now, at first glance, as reading this as a pastor, I can only think about if somebody called me up and said, hey, my, my loved one is, is close to death. Can you come visit them? And my response was, yeah, give me a couple days. I'll be there when I can. I think I'm going to try that the next, no, I'm not going to try that the next time that that happens. Of course, the question that would be asked is, well, does the pastor not care? What is, what is so important that he can't come and visit my loved one? That's kind of what goes on here with Jesus. But the difference is that Jesus' choices are not our choices. Jesus is omniscient. He knows all. He sees the big picture. He knows what larger purposes are going on in this story. And all of this is being worked to show his care and ultimately to bring about something bigger. I mean, fast forward a bit in the story to kind of see what happens. Jesus arrives and finds that Lazarus had already been dead in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. Now, I want to pause there for a second because it's important to notice the first part of Jesus' plan, actually. That he is allowing the Jews to fulfill their duty, their requirement, the importance of caring for somebody who is mourning. It's actually a lesson for us as we maybe try to care for somebody who is grieving, to mirror this example, to simply try to be there for them, provide for their needs, reaching out to them in a non-intrusive way. Maybe it's even remembering the date of when their loved one passed so you can continue to be there for them in the future. This is a way that God cares for those who grieve because he works through us as the body of Christ to do so. And that's exactly what's happening here as the Jews come and comfort Mary and Martha. But this doesn't still fix the glaring issue that the one person they wanted to be there was not there, Jesus. So Mary and Martha, they, they question Jesus. Actually, we see this exact same question and response by Mary and Martha in both of their meetings with Jesus. But considering Mary's response, it says, When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Notice how she's very honest with Jesus. She doesn't lash out. She doesn't make accusations. She doesn't uh, get belligerent, but she shares her disappointment with Jesus. She pours out her heart to him and what thoughts on her, are in her mind. She models for us this ability we have to talk to God, to, to share what is on our hearts and our minds, and to see how Jesus responds and cares us. And that's what we see in the next couple of verses. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And Jesus wept. Jesus, rather than 
responding with a fix-it mentality or, you know what, I'm just going to take care of this for you or I'm going to give you all the answers you seek. He simply responds with empathy. It says Jesus wept. More literally, Jesus absolutely lost it in tears. That's a hard response for you and I to have. I don't know if you felt this way, but I certainly sometimes feel a little bit helpless when somebody has maybe lost a loved one and I can share the good news of Jesus with them, but I still want to just fix it for them. I mean, who doesn't want to fix the struggles of somebody who you love? But Jesus gives us this great example. He doesn't give answers. He doesn't immediately go and raise Lazarus from the dead, even though he does that later on. Jesus simply weeps. He shares in their grief. In fact, you could think about it this way as well. If Jesus gave them his reasoning for why all this was happening, if he told Mary and Martha what what the outcome of this would be, would that actually have helped them get through this? Maybe. But I don't know if they would have liked his answer. I don't know if Jesus gave us his reasoning for everything that he does, if we would like his answers, if we would accept his answers. And so Jesus knows what they need. They need his care, his empathy. He grieves with them and he weeps. In fact, this same example happens elsewhere in the Bible. If we go to the prophet Jeremiah, as he speaks on behalf of God about this evil nation that hates God, God responds through the prophet and says, I weep for you. God weeps even for those who hate him. It's safe to say God understands grief. And while most other religions try to have answers for why we lose our loved ones, answers for our grief, Christianity is the only religion where God himself experiences grief, as Jesus does here. And what this does for us is it actually teaches us three very important lessons, both lessons that help us understand someone who grieves or understand our own grief as well. The first one's a pretty straightforward one. Grief is painful. We have to simply acknowledge that to start with. Here in this story of Jesus in John 11, pain just seems to ooze from every verse. There's questioning by Mary and Martha. There's there's weeping. There's people around them that are all sad for them. C.S. Lewis put it this way, the death of a beloved is an amputation. It fits with how the Apostle Paul compares the church to a body. And so when somebody that's part of it is lost to death, it's like losing your arm or your leg. It hurts and affects all of us. It's important, just as if you did lose your own arm or leg, you have to acknowledge that things are not going to be the way that they once were. It's a sad thing. It's why it's, it's such an important thing to have memorial services for people who have passed away. To memorialize them and remember them with other gatherings as well and with these special services we have each year like All Saints. 
It's why there's counseling and groups. It's why we have a widow's group. And it's why we take, of all days, a day of Advent to talk about death and about grief. Because even in this joyous season, even though it would be way more fun to talk about something else this morning, it's important to ensure that our Christmas, the celebration of Jesus who does these great things, who conquers death, to ensure that our Christmas celebrations aren't stolen by that grief we experience this side of heaven. And once you acknowledge that grief is painful, you also can recognize that grief is disorienting. Mary and Martha, you can see how their faith was shaken. They don't understand why Jesus has waited, why their brother had died, why all this is occurring this way, and they respond as such. This is normal. It's, it's even okay. I once heard grief compared to something like an emotional concussion. If you know anything about concussions, they take time to heal. You don't just take the right medication or wait 10 minutes and you're all fine. That's the way grief is as well. Grief takes time to heal. There's going to be questions. There's going to be uncertainties in the midst of it. But Jesus invites you, just as Mary and Martha did, to call upon him. To pour out your hearts to him. To let him empathize and care for you. And that brings me really with what I want to leave you with here this morning. All of this means that grief ultimately needs Jesus. That's really the rest of the story here in, in John 11. Jesus speaks to, to Martha and he says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? And she responds, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. Now, Martha doesn't really have the answers. But Jesus guides her to continue to know him, continue to believe in him, to acknowledge that he came for her, that he came for the world as well, that Jesus himself is the answer to especially our grief. In verse 4, he talked to his disciples and he said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now, at the end of this story, Jesus does work a miracle and raises Lazarus from the dead, but there's so much more to the story than just the good outcome. In fact, this story, the first part of it is, is that it gives us a glimpse of heaven. Because this story wasn't just about bringing Lazarus back from the, the dead. No, Jesus doesn't stop with Lazarus. All of this brings about his crucifixion and his resurrection. And Jesus doesn't stop until the last day when all are raised. When our grief will end once and for all why especially in this advent and christmas season it's so important to keep our focus on jesus and what better way to do that than hearing the words of describing those truths of heaven in revelation 
We read them earlier, and it says, John writes and speaks and says, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old way of things has passed away. When we celebrate Christmas, we see a little baby. Every nativity set you'll ever see has this little baby Jesus at the center of it. But it's important to recognize that Christmas is only part of the story. Just like we sang in that in King of Kings, there's a bigger picture in mind. At Christmas, we celebrate that because it brings us ultimately to Easter. Because Jesus wasn't just a cute baby. He grew up to be our mighty Savior. Our Savior Jesus grew up to demonstrate his love for all of us by taking that death and mourning and crying and pain upon himself. Jesus ultimately is even glorified as death is conquered once and for all, it defeated for all of us who believe and trust in him. Our Savior knows our grief, and he will wipe away our tears for good. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, though it's, it's, uh, it's not an easy topic to talk about grief, to uh, think about those things, it's, it's not easy to uh, deal with all of the, the results of a sinful world, of a broken world, and as we uh, live our lives uh, this side of heaven. Lord, as we prepare to celebrate Christmas and uh, prepare our hearts for that, uh, Lord, uh, may we continue to take hope and, and grab hold of of the joy that will be ours in heaven, of the, the, final, uh, the final promises uh, that will, will occur, that uh, there will be no more mourning or death or crying or pain. Things will be perfected in the new heavens and the new earth. We take hold of these things and trust these things in Jesus' name. Amen.